0: What's up, guys, and welcome to our next installment of our mini series. Today, we got the San Francisco 49ers, only two teams left. We got the 49ers and then your Super Bowl champions from last year, the Kansas City Chiefs. Today is the 49ers, as I mentioned already. Um, they lost the Super Bowl 13-3. They finished the season as they got their first round bye. They beat Minnesota in the divisional round 27-10. Beat Green Bay in the championship game 37-20. And then they lost to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs 31-20 to in the Super Bowl. Pretty entertaining game um but ultimately San Francisco and that tough defense they just couldn't get it done against that Kansas City offense. Uh I have Jimmy Garoppolo projected out at about 4100 passing yards, which is actually a little bit <laughs> 24 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, another 70 rushing yards on the ground, one touchdown and a very handsome face. Um uh, behind him as far as quarterbacks go, a couple guys that when Jimmy Garoppolo was down and before he even got traded to San Francisco. Seen some time, Nick Mullins, C.J. Beathard, but none of them are really there taking his job. Um, Obviously, if he goes down, these two guys... Who even knows who it's going to be? But they both have a little bit of starting experience. I mean, at least a handful of games between them. Um, nothing really that's going to be crazy. I don't think the offense really changed much more. They're not really going to be throwing the ball more or less with or without Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, still going to be a run-first team. The defense is going to have to keep them in games. But for now, it's Jimmy G. He's the he's the man in charge. And um, he doesn't really... I mean, he doesn't really offer too much fantasy value. I mean, like I said, I, I just projected him out for a pretty decent fantasy season, so I kind of contradicted myself. But um, he's he's not a guy that's really getting a lot of uh, love in fantasy drafts. He's going real late if he's being drafted at all. More of like a QB two, a bench guy if you're in one quarterback leagues. Maybe be able to find him on waiver wires after week one. It's just... Uh, yeah, I mean, when you look at the San Francisco 49ers, you don't think quarterback um, like you did back in the 90s.
1: Yeah, no, definitely not. And Jimmy G actually had a pretty solid season last year. Your 4,100 yards actually isn't that insane because he had 3,978. So, you know, that's, you know, 150 more yards, which is unreasonable. He had 27 touchdowns last year, which was actually fifth in the league. And then that yardage total that I mentioned was actually 12th in the league. So, he actually had a pretty good season. He was one of the only players in the league that played all 16 or uh, all every single snap for the 49ers last year. So, I mean, he uh, he actually had a pretty good year overall. He finished as the 14th best fantasy QB. A lot of that was because he stayed on the field and he was healthy. A lot of the QBs that were below him missed a few games, and that was really kind of the difference there. Because when you look at it, he only averaged the 23rd most points per game. So not overly impressive. The team was only 29th in team pass plays per game. I mean for me the biggest thing is if they decide to pass the ball more, I mean this he could be a QB one, honestly. It's just a matter of this isn't a high volume high volume passing offense, so as long as that's the case, Jimmy G's not going to have a ton of fantasy relevance. So uh but I mean like I said, I mean Kyle Shanahan has run schemes that are more pass heavy. In previous organizations we saw success with Matt Ryan so there's no reason I think Jimmy G can have a great fantasy season it's just a matter if they change their offensive philosophy and I don't really see that happening this year but uh, I was actually when I dove into his numbers I was more impressed with him than I really tend to think of him I I tend to really shy away from him but he had a good season and proved that he can be a, a, a good starting quarterback in this league one thing I'll throw out there, it's not overly fantasy-relevant, but he had the highest deep ball completion percentage last year. thought that was kind of interesting because this isn't a team you think of bombing the ball down the field, but okay. he was actually very effective last season. And Like I said, I think the only thing holding him back at this point is that scheme.
0: All right, and then moving on to the running backs, this is the bread and butter of the team, even though it's, it's crazy because it's not like you have that number like your top five overall picks in the fantasy drafts but you got this is a heavy running team you got Raheem Mostert there who kind of takes over as the number one there. Even though He kind of took over the number one last year, but they shipped out Matt Breda, so Mostert is now the clear-cut number one there. Um, a lot of the talk this offseason was how he wanted to have an extension or be paid a little bit more. He wanted to restructure his contract. I don't, I don't think his contract was expiring anytime soon, but he wanted it restructured just based off of his performance. Um, and they ended up doing that, so he's happy now. They still got Tevin Coleman there. They got Jarek McKinnon there who who's been there for two years, but he he doesn't even have a stat for San Francisco yet. He's his last stat is still with Minnesota. Um, he's not been healthy at all. He's been injured the past two preseasons and off-seasons, so he hasn't even made it onto the regular season football field for the 49ers, even though this is his third year going into San Francisco. Um, so I mean I mean most is he's being drafted in a pretty decent spot. It's uh He's the number one on his team, but he's being drafted as more of an RB two on a run first team. I mean, that's that's good. It's not uh it's not bad at all. Tevin Coleman, again, it's like he's kind of the situation that he had in Atlanta. He's uh he comes over thinking that he's gonna have the job or thinking that he's gonna be getting a lot of work, but he's behind somebody now, just like he was behind Freeman. Now he's behind Mostert, so he's um is not somebody that that it's going to be rostered on a lot of teams, or if he is, it's more of like a handcuff. Uh, But Mostert's the guy here, and definitely good value for him.
1: Yeah, I mean, you say Mostert's the guy, but is he really? I mean, with Kyle Shanahan (laughs) there, you know, it's tough to say that. I do like his value, though. I do agree with that because this is different then when you think about teams that use 500 running backs, you usually think about the Patriots first. And the reality is that this is a run first team. The Patriots have actually been more pass happy over the course of the past five or so years. So that's a difference here is all three of these guys can be involved and they can still have fantasy value. Most ADP right now is as the 28th running back off the board. So realistically you're taking him as your flex and he can have a lot of potential there especially if they decide for whatever reason to use Mostert primarily which I honestly don't think it's a terrible idea he looked really good down the stretch last year Tevin Coleman I think is a solid compliment back but he's not a guy I want to rely on to carry my backfield uh, and same with Jarek McKinnon based on what we've seen from him even though it's been limited he looks like more of a third down complementary piece so i I, coleman and mckinnon shouldn't scare you but the reality is in this scheme they just like i've said it multiple times kyle shanahan uses multiple running backs his dad did it their grandkids will do it their aunt's uncle everybody forever every shanahan will use multiple running backs forever so uh that's why they scare me from a fantasy standpoint but Moster keeps dropping so I really can't argue with his ADP not being a good value so I'll take him in that spot especially realistically he might be my fourth running back so I'll leave him on my bench and I'll ride the hot hand because that's typically what they do so maybe you see Moster has a hot five-game stretch ride that five-game stretch and then bench him (laughs) same with Tevin Coleman if he has a strong four-game stretch catch yourself uh, playing him in the middle of those four games. We might see the same from McKinnon. McKinnon, we might see fill that role of what Matt Breida was. Matt Breida did have quite a bit of success when he was on the field for the 49ers. So uh, overall, I can't really complain with their value. Most are 28th running back, Coleman 41st, McKinnon 63rd. They all offer quite a bit of upside, even if you only get two or three productive weeks out of Coleman and McKinnon.
0: All right, and then going on to... Their wide receivers, just like the uh, Green Bay Packers room when we talked about them, it's another room where it's 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 really it's really foggy. Uh, Debo Samuel, he's probably gonna miss a couple games to start the season. He's he is their number one when he does come back, and hopefully he comes back earlier than later. Uh, Brandon Ayuk was one of their first round picks. Um, that they they, they grabbed one of the wide receivers that was in this wide receiver heavy class. Um, He seems to be, at least while Samuel is out, he he might even just slot in as the number one um, while they're waiting for Samuel to get ready. And then other names that have been thrown out that same thing like just be just like the Packers do behind Devontae Adams who do they have back there that might be the number two it's the same thing here in San Francisco you got Kendrick Bourne Jalen Hurd Dante Pettis um, Trent Taylor any of these guys are they going to step up would you trust any of these guys in any lineups I mean these all just seem like a bunch of best ball names if if, if anything uh, Brandon Ayuka might take a chance on especially early in the season might even slot him in a couple starting lineups see how see how that plays out but for not being a pass heavy team and having a bunch of uh like wide receiver 2 wide receiver 3 type guys on the team it's it's really not sexy at all.
1: Yeah, and I mean the reality is kind of different from the Packers is that we do know who their top two options here. When Debo's healthy it's Debo and George Kittle. I mean, there's no doubt about it. So, that's the biggest difference here, but it is a very similar situation. I love Debo. I thought he was—he was my pick to be this year's Chris Godwin. That's what people keep referring to—a a younger wide receiver with upside as now uh, the next Chris Godwin with Godwin's huge breakout last year. And Debo was my pick for that. I like him. He's a yard after catch monster. Uh, so is Brandon Ayuk, which I'll talk about in a second. But my biggest problem with Debo is that foot injury is—I think that it could hurt him quite a bit this season in dynasty formats. I'll buy all day long because he's still their number one wide receiver going forward. And he's only 23, I believe. So he's still a young guy with a lot of upside in this offense. But he could miss a decent amount of time with this. It reminds me of A.J. Green last season. And I felt trapped of this last year. You tell yourself, "Ah, A.J. Green's only going to miss the first four games because he's on the pup list. And then it gets extended. Then he misses half the season. Then it's 10 games and 12 games. And all of a sudden, the season's almost over. So I'm a little afraid with that with Debo. Um, He's being drafted a little later than A.J. Green was last season because I think people are maybe learning a little bit. But Debo overall, he's been going in the seventh or eighth round. I don't mind that value because if he does play even 10 games a season, that's decent value. And I think he could be a high upside wide receiver, too, for you. But I'd kind of be cautious. Don't reach on him because that injury can really impact players short term. Based on medical reports that I've read long-term, he should be fine. But it's just one of those injuries you really got to let it heal fully before you just jump back onto the field. So uh, Brandon Ayuk, who you also mentioned, yard after Ketz Monster. He was one of the leaders in all of college football last season. That's why the pick was kind of strange to me, because I think him and Debo are similar wide receivers. And I think a lot of people were expecting them to take a big body C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, more legitimate number one alpha wide receiver, but they have two speedy guys who uh, like to accumulate yard after the catch, similar to George Kittle, who's a beast at doing that as well. But I uh, yuck. I agree. I'd use him early in the season if Deebo's out because he's probably the second option. So. Even though this isn't a pass-happy offense, will definitely have some value there. And you can probably grab them pretty late in drafts right now. I've taken them in the 15th round in a few mocks. So that's great value, especially if Debo misses significant time. Beyond that, I'm not drafting any other of their wide receivers. We mentioned this isn't a high-volume passing offense. So they're not going to be able to support George Kittle, Debo and Brandon Ayuk and even if Debo's out I don't think they're going to be able to support three fantasy relevant pass catchers so I I like Kendrick Bourne he's more of a red zone threat he did have five touchdowns last season so if you're desperate for whatever reason to take a 49ers pass catcher you can try Kendrick Bourne I probably wouldn't take a It better be a really deep league, too. I mean, I just (laughs) I I really don't see much upside here. Kendrick Bourne is a big body. I said they don't really have one. I guess Kendrick Bourne is, but he's not really a starting caliber wide receiver based on what I've seen. So uh, no one else. I know I hear a lot of rumblings with Jalen Hurd. Everybody loved Dante Pettis last season. That was a lot of uh, a lot of fantasy players laid a lot on the line for Dante Pettis. They thought this was going to be his breakout year, and we never saw it. But I just can't see this low-volume passing offense sustaining multiple pass catchers.
0: Yeah, they brought in Travis Benjamin this offseason, but he did the voluntary op-out. And then um, when they picked their first first-round pick, Every wide receiver was available except for Henry Ruggs. So it's, I mean, they definitely could have uh, beefed it up there. But being the team that they are, defense heavy, run first team, they went with defensive tackle. They went along the defensive line. So it, it's what works for them. Um, I kind of skipped over the offensive line. So why don't we go back to that?
1: Sure. So a lot has changed on this. Well, I won't say a lot, but a big piece that Joe Staley retired. He's been one of the better left tackles in all of football for the past few years. Uh, Actually, Pro Football Focus is number one rated left tackle the past five years, but they acquired Trent Williams, who's been an all-pro left tackle. So that's a huge acquisition for them. And really, that made them the winners of the NFL draft. Even though they didn't draft a lineman, they acquired an all-pro offensive tackle. So that's huge for them. That was a great acquisition. And Pro Football Focus has them ranked as the eighth best line heading into next season.
0: All right. And then... Their final offensive position. You got the tight ends. And you couldn't talk about the San Francisco 49ers without mentioning Jordan Reed. Um, I'm just kidding. They got uh, George Kittle, arguably, I mean, definitely top two tight end, arguably number one. He is... He's everything that you want a tight end as far as fantasy goes, as far as reality goes. He makes the uh, he makes catches. He blocks. He opens up that uh, he opens up the run game for him. He's I mean he held the record for uh, for most what was it catching yards in a season by a tight end for a little bit I think and then Zach Ertz got it, it was vice versa one of the two had it and then the other one broke it in the same day. Um, but, yeah, I mean, George Kittle, he's he's younger than Kelsey. So in Dynasty Leagues, he seems to be going a little earlier than Kelsey. But you usually see these guys go back-to-back. When when Kittle's taken, then usually Kelsey's within the next pick or two. Um, but Kittle is, he's, if there's anybody that you want from this team that's going to be catching footballs, it's George Kittle. That's over Debo Samuel. That's over any of these running backs. George Kittle is the pass-catching target for this team, and he's going to be for many years because he did just sign a four, four or five year extension. And, uh, and then they brought in Jordan Reed, which if he, uh, as long as he wasn't hurt signing the contract, he might be on the field in two tight end sets. Um, could be, he's not, I mean, you're not, you're not drafting him. Um, if if it's against the team that maybe lets up a touchdown guaranteed every week to tight ends, I'm talking to you, Arizona, then, uh, maybe he's a decent flex play, but it's George Kittle and it's nobody else.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I know a lot of people are overhyping the Jordan Reed signing because we love Jordan Reed. And I'm right there with you. I mean, I was with Jordan Reed till the very end. And uh, I mean, I felt like I was drafting him every single season just because of that upside that he had, but realistically, he's not going to be a huge threat. I mean, I'd keep my eye out on him just because he has so much talent. And when I was looking at this offense, 87% of their plays were two wide receiver and two tight end sets last season. And even though George Kittle's been the only fantasy relevant one, they have a lot of strong pass or uh, yeah pass blocking tight ends. I had to think about that for a second. Strong pass blocking tight ends. So George Kittle's really uh, the only one that I think is going to have fantasy relevance. So uh, and he's kind of interesting to me too because I don't like taking tight ends early. But he gives you such a position advantage along with Travis Kelsey that I really can't argue with taking them in the top three rounds. As much as I'm not one to reach on Kelsey in the second round, if either one of them fall to the third round, I mean, I really start thinking about it just because of the advantage that it gives you. And there's no doubt George Kittle is the number one option in this passing game. I've talked about it before. There's not very many tight ends you can say that about. So he's one of the elite ones in the game. Uh, I mentioned him being a yard-after-catch monster previously, and this is kind of interesting to me since he's come into the league. He's second in the entire NFL in yards after the catch, only behind Christian McCaffrey, so kind of interesting. You don't think of a tight end doing that, but he's dominant. He's a strong pass blocker, run blocker. He's a talented pass catcher. He does everything you want in a tight end, and he'll have a ton of fantasy value once again
0: all right their special teams they got robbie gold place kicking for them. he's uh on an offense that's might be middle of the road it's really tough to say if robbie gold is going to be fantasy relevant he's a good kicker he's an accurate kicker um but don't know how this offense is going to be i mean you can't I guess you can win a lot of games just by running and, and stopping the other team on defense. But when you think of a, when you think of wanting a kicker, you want a kicker that's or you want a team that's going to be putting up a lot of points, um, getting getting in the field goal range a lot, getting a lot of touchdowns, so you can get those extra points. And uh, he plays in a good environment. It's it's real sunny out there in San Francisco, and um, and. Their divisional games, aside from Seattle, who could get some some bad weather, are uh, in in either domes or fairly good weather stadiums. So um, he's kind of on the cusp for me. I don't really know how I feel about him probably taking other kickers over Robbie Gold.
1: Yeah, and I think he really hit everything that needed to be hit on, but Robbie Gold is a very accurate kicker. I couldn't believe when I looked at him that he's 37 years old. For some reason, I didn't think he was that old, but he's been in the league for a while, and he's been one of the most accurate, very good real-life kicker, a guy that you can rely on. From a fantasy standpoint, he was the 15th highest scoring kicker last season. So pretty solid if you need a bye week fill in at some point in a good matchup. He's a guy I would play, has some favorable conditions. But yeah, I mean, you hit on the biggest point. This isn't a high volume, high octane offense scoring 30 points a game. And, you know, the more points an offense scores, the more points your kicker is going to score. So, I uh, yeah, I probably wouldn't draft him. He's more of a guy you pick up to fill in during a bye week.
0: And then as far as their special teams go for uh, kick and punt returning, Dante Pettis, if you're still on a Dante Pettis train, he does uh, he does return some punts too, so he could add some value there. Uh, Richie James seems to be their kick returner, which he's probably not going to be rostered in many leagues. Uh, but Pettis, if you're, if you're still holding out hope on him and he's got a favorable matchup where San Francisco might have to throw the ball a little bit more and you want to throw him in there, you might get some punt return points from him too. And then finally, their defense. This is their bread and butter. Um, they they're loaded with IDPs, and then also overall, they're they're up there. They're probably top three, top five. I mean, I've seen a mixture of with New England kind of dropping down a little bit with all their opt outs, and um, and. Uh, movement of pieces this offseason. I mean, San Francisco is basically between like San Francisco, Baltimore. I've seen Dallas jump up a little bit. You could put Buffalo into that top five, top six range, but it's, uh, this is a top, this is a top three defense as a whole unit. And individually, um, if you have to play a defensive tackle, Solomon Thomas or Javon Kinlaw, that's their first, first round pick, um, could be there obviously on the, when you're talking about, um, Playing defensive line, if it's not limited to just defensive tackle, Nick Bosa is the top guy that you want off this team. But then they got Eric Armstead and D Ford, a couple good pass rushers there. Quan Alexander, Fred Warner uh, from the linebacker position. Those are guys that could get to the quarterback. Those are guys that could get you some sacks and tackles. Uh, Richard Sherman. He's not what he used to be in Seattle, but he's their uh, their top cornerback here. When it goes, when it comes to fantasy, we've mentioned it many times. You don't really want to look at the top cornerback because uh, they don't get the ball thrown their way a lot. And this might be the case for Richard Sherman. Even though, like I said, he's a he's a shell of himself from Seattle, he's still he's still a top cornerback in this league. Uh, if you are going to grab anybody on the defensive back side, Jimmy Ward is probably the guy there. Uh, the free safety get to the get to the ball carrier, get tackles, get those interceptions. But overall, excellent defense. Um, A league winning defense but they are going to be overdrafted drafted too high when i say overdrafted they're going to be drafted higher than the 14th 15th last round uh where you should be taking a defense because people are gonna you're gonna see baltimore go off the board and the next up you're gonna see chicago or or san go off the board and there's other player value that you could be grabbing there but if you get your hands on san francisco's defense you could pretty much plug them and play them all season except for their uh except for their bye week
1: as a Rams fan, I hate thinking about and looking at the 49ers defense because it's very young, too. And that's very scary, and I hate thinking about it. And uh, playing against them, is it's a challenge. From a fantasy perspective, they were third as a unit last season in defensive scoring. So you mentioned I'd have them as a top three unit. Not a lot has changed. They lost to Forrest Buckner, but they replaced him with first round Javon Kinlaw. So really not much of a loss. A little bit there because he'll go through some rookie ups and downs. But you know this defense is good when D Ford is listed as a backup. And this is a guy that two years ago had 13 and a half sacks. So D Ford's a talented pass rusher. And he's not even listed as a starter currently on their depth chart. And that's because the guys they have listed right now, Eric Armstead and Nick Bosa, are two of the best in the league. Armstead had 10 sacks last season. He was the 15th highest scoring defensive lineman. So definitely draftable. I know a lot of leagues play two defensive linemen and he's a guy that should be drafted. Nick Bosa was 12th as a rookie. So he's a defensive lineman one. uh, And he realistically has some room to improve there because that was only as a rookie. He should be a consensus top five guy for years to come along with his brother. Uh, Where I start to get really scared. uh, Well, I guess I'll say first their uh, defensive backfield not a lot of people I'm targeting Jimmy Ward is solid but really hasn't provided a lot of IDP value Richard Sherman even though he's not as great as he was in Seattle he's still a top 15 corner in this league he's just not top five anymore Uh, Richard Sherman isn't really fantasy relevant though so not taking anyone in their defensive backfield but their linebacking core is scary and this is what really starts to worry me Fred Warner is uh, one of the best young linebackers that we don't talk about in the NFL. He had 118 tackles last season. He was 11th in the league in IDP scoring. So he's another linebacker one that people don't like to talk about only 23 years old, along with his counterpart, Dre Greenlaw, who's also only 23. And Dre Greenlaw, for me, I remember watching him for the first time against the Rams in week 16. That's how good it was. I legitimately remember watching this guy and he was flying around the field and I'm like, who is that guy? I had no idea who he was before that. But when you look at Dre Greenlaw, he uh, he was the 14th highest scoring linebacker in the second half of the season. And him and Fred Warner are going to form one of the best linebacking duos in the NFL for who knows how long. They're only 23. It could be 10 more years that we have to deal with it. But Dre Greenlaw is one of those guys that's not usually being drafted very highly in IDP leagues. But I think that he could be a high end linebacker, too, or maybe even slip into the top 12 uh, discussion. So he has a lot of value there. And then also they have uh, a guy who has kind of been forgotten in Quan Alexander, who hasn't been healthy for three straight seasons. But this is a guy that had 145 tackles a few years ago. So they have a bunch of tackle monsters at linebacker. And if all three of them play the whole season together, it's arguably the best core in the entire NFL.
0: You sound very excited talking about the uh, San Francisco defense.
1: (laughs) It it is. Not exciting to watch for me, but that's okay.
0: All right. So our final thoughts on San Francisco now, if you've stuck with us up to this point and just listened to any of our pods here, I, I don't hate San Francisco. I just think that they are going to take a step back, have that Super Bowl, even though they lost, have that Super Bowl hangover. And with the moves that Arizona made and, and their second year quarterback and, and Cliff Kingsbury, I kind of see them jumping into that second spot in the NFC West. And I have Seattle uh, winning the division, which pushes San Francisco down to the third spot. Now, with the seven playoff teams that could be enough for that where they could get a wild card spot um but i have some some uh bold predictions between arizona and detroit making the playoffs this year so i'm kind of pushing them out um i got them finishing third in the division i got arizona second seattle first the rams in fifth and then um yeah, I mean they just I, I think they're gonna have a good team and just talking about it today, it, it really didn't sway me, but it's uh I, I gotta stick with my guns and go with uh San Francisco has that Super Bowl hangover and misses the playoffs.
1: Yeah, and I do think the Seahawks won the division, but I really think it could be a dogfight at the top with the 49ers and Seahawks, and that's not to say I have the Cardinals as a playoff team as well, but I do think that they finish in third. They are a fairly inexperienced team as of right now, too. I mean, so the 49ers are young as well, but they, uh, they're coming off a Super Bowl appearance, but for me, that defense is just too good to slip too far, so are they going to go 13-3 and again? probably not it's hard for a team to repeat like that but I mean I really think this is a 10 11 win football team just based on that defense alone I mean that defense is just scary to play against and you know not like I said not really much has changed except they lost to Forrest Buckner but they replaced him right away with the pick that they acquired so I don't think this defense is going to take too much of a step back to a point where they're not in the playoff conversation Um, you know and same on the offensive side of the ball not much has changed for the most part and if anything they've added Ayuk as another weapon there so I I think this is a a team that could be dangerous once again I don't know if I'd have them in the Super Bowl conversation I still think Jimmy G is going to hold them back a little bit because I just don't see him ready to take that step to being a Super Bowl winning quarterback but this is a roster with a little bit of turnover but they really replaced all their needs Joe Staley retired they got Trent Williams so they really diagnosed their needs early on and fix them so I, I expect them to have another good season
0: yeah i was actually just gonna bring that up how they uh not not only did they make like one lateral move they basically made two lateral moves uh, when they replaced joe staley and um and deforest buckner but that's it for the san francisco 49ers we got one team left and it's the kansas city chiefs so tune in for that one